Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, God's Complaint. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we refuse to believe in the equal ultimacy of good and evil. God alone is ultimate. Ultimacy belongs to our triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All things that happen in this world, they are all ordained by you. You are the Lord of history and therefore help us to interpret all things in the light of this truth. God is speaking to us, not only through the Holy Scriptures, but also through history and what is happening all around us. Help us, therefore, O God, to respond to your words and deeds. Help us as a church to repent of our sins and to call upon the name of the Lord that we be saved. Help us to bring forth fruit of righteousness, that we may all live in your security. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We would like to speak to you from Isaiah chapter 5 and chapter 6, which speaks about God's complaint, God's condemnation, and also God's compassion. Before we look at the scriptures, let me say we fully support our president's decision to root out terrorism, his decision to discover and destroy terrorists worldwide. As God's agent, the state is given the power of the sword to protect the citizens from enemies both foreign and domestic. Suddenly, we find ourselves less secure and we do not know where or how the next terrorist carnage would take place. Less secure we are. But one thing is certain. Our God is the Lord of history. He is waking this nation up from all sorts of complacency. All of us Christians and unbelievers are to repent and turn to God at this time. I believe in the statement in the Westminster Confession of Faith, the third chapter. It says this, God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. That's why I do not believe in the equal ultimacy of both good and evil. The confession goes on. Yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. And you see this wonderful truth 
in the most heinous act ever performed in history, which was the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was done by people freely, done by secondary agents on their own volition. They did the wicked thing, but at the same time, it was ordained by God. It was according to the determinate counsel of God to bring about our salvation. Now that act was wicked. And those who perpetrated that act would be judged. However, all things work together for good. As I preached last Sunday, if we are wise and intelligent and to interpret history, then we will repent ourselves and forsake our wickedness and walk in obedience to God and proclaim the gospel to those who are around us for which purpose God has saved us. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. We cannot serve both God and mammon. We are to serve God only. And the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, St. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in chapter 5 and 6 of the book of Isaiah, he was in the 8th century speaking to the nation Israel because terrible conditions existed. Such conditions exist in our country. Therefore, it is good to pay attention to Isaiah chapter 5 and 6. Pay attention to his complaint, especially leveled against his people. And pay attention to his condemnation of his people. And also pay attention to compassion and mercy he shows to us. First then, the divine complaint. Open your Bible to Isaiah 5. And here is the complaint in the first four verses. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. This is a parable which will make a point in verse 7. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Here it is, God planted it on fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones, planted it with the best, the choicest vine he could find. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. And then he looked for grapes. But it yielded only bad fruit, stink fruit. And so here God is asking to himself in verse 4, what more could have I have done for my vineyard? In other words, God is saying, it is not my fault I have done everything. 
And so God is saying, it is the fault of God's people. Now, when you, if you have vineyard, the, if you do not have fruit, then it's nothing. It's worthless. So here it is, the meaning of this vineyard parable. Verse 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. So he is speaking about the church, people of God. People whom he redeemed from Egypt. People whom he brought by his mighty power through the wilderness, through Jordan, into the land of Canaan. People in the midst of whom God himself dwelt to bless them and protect them and guide them. And he looked for justice. But so bloodshed. He looked for righteousness. But heard cries of distress. You see, the fruit that God expects of us are the fruit of obeying God's law and living in right relationship with one another. That's the fruit he expected. But he got stink fruit of unrighteousness. Now, we must pay attention to the context. In the 8th century B.C., God blessed Judah and Israel with great material prosperity. Uzziah was king of Judah from 791 to 740 BC and Jeroboam II was king of Israel from 793 to 753 BC. And you look to the south, there is Egypt. But Egypt was already past its glory days. And was further weakened by internal strife. And then you look northward to the great kingdom of Assyria. Assyria also had problems with its own northern border. And so Assyria did not venture westward to oppress Judah or Israel. There was also trouble in Assyria in reference to succession after the death of Shalmaneser IV in 773. He died without children. So you must understand, there was peace. Egypt is not doing anything. Assyria in the north doing anything. There was great peace. And Judah and Israel enjoyed peace for about 50 years. And as a result, through trade and commerce, Judah and Israel, because of their situation, geographic situation, they made so much money. Wealth made Judah and Israel self-sufficient and independent, even of the Lord of the Covenant. God is squeezed out. They were busy enjoying their prosperity. 
You remember the Soviet Union crumbled. And we spoke about the peace dividend. And we were having a wonderful time in terms of economy. And we arrived at surplus. Which we wanted to carve out this way and that way. And we are in other words living at a time like the time Israel and Judah lived in the 8th century. Prosperous, arrogant, proud, self-sufficient, independent, against God, busy, enjoying life. And we are bringing stink fruits. Number one, there are seven. Number one, of course, is materialism. The greed of materialism. Woe to those people who are materialists. Read verse 8. Woe to you who add house to house. Oh, we don't want small house, we want bigger house. Not one bathroom, we want several bathrooms. We don't want just one house, we want several houses. And we boast concerning our real estate holdings. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. Of course, the Bible is not against wealth or against prosperity, but here the idea is unjust acquiring as well as greedy acquiring. A trust in material things. The rich merchant class began to buy up houses and lands unjustly from the poor. They did not need God. They only needed wealth. They were like Ahab, remember, the king of Israel who wanted to buy up the land of Naboth, the saint, the lover of God. The land in Israel belonged to God in perpetuity. And the people are tenants in the land. And one is not to sell the land. It is his inheritance. But you see, the poor people are oppressed. The rich became richer and the poor became poorer. And they became rich by violation of biblical law. We must pay heed to what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16. What does it profit? What does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? They sought happiness in money. They were busy buying and selling. Planting and harvesting, marrying and giving in marriage. Going and coming. Giving party and receiving party. God is out, money is in. They were like the church of Laodicea. They said, we are rich, we need nothing. They did not consider the state of their souls. Jesus Christ said, you are poor, you are wretched, you are blind, you are miserable. They did not consider God who can at any time demand your soul. And put an end to your reveling. Woe unto the materialist. Second stink fruit is in verse 11. 
Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their dreams, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed, set ablaze with wine. They have harps and lyres at their banquets, tambourines and flutes and wine. But they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of His hand. Pleasure of debauchery, pleasure mania. Why do you gather so much money? Well, the reason is you can use money, buy pleasure with it. That's why. So there is the gathering, then there is the spending it on pleasure. Like the prodigal son, he gathered all his inheritance and he went to a far place and wasted it on pleasure. These people, they get out of bed. To drink wine. And they stay out of bed till late in the night. Drinking wine and getting drunk and throwing up everywhere. Wine, women, music. They spend their money in, in mind-numbing activities. Of drinking and getting drunk. And listening to rhythmic music. That numbs your brain. They do this until they are inflamed. Set ablaze. To do all sorts of sin of passion. They forgot all about the Lord of the covenant and his curses. They spend their money for partying. Party after party. Drinking and getting drunk. Yet they were not satisfied, they were restless. And this country is given to one thing, it is not pursuit of God, it is pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. There is going to be an end to the party. Party is over. Read Daniel 5. Belshazzar gave a great party. He blasphemed the God of Israel. And then he saw some handwriting on the wall. And his knees knocked and gave way, fell down, and that night he was killed. God says, party is over. That's a complaint he has. Number three. The stink fruit of the arrogance of atheism. Verse 18. Woe to those who draw sin along. With cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry. Let him hasten his works so we may see it. Yes, I, Isaiah is saying that God is going to be angry. God is going to pour out his judgment upon us. I want to see it. Oh God, pour out your judgment. Let me see it. That's what they said. They gave themselves over to wickedness. This is not sinning accidentally. This is a deliberately giving their will, their mind, and their passion, and their money for sin. They began to sin deliberately. They said there is no God. But notice, sinning is hard labor. It is likened to the pulling of sin with cart rope, which is... Very strong, big rope. I'm just telling you, it is hard work. 
You think it is exciting, but here sinner's work is pictured as hard labor. And you know what I'm talking about because you sinned and you reaped the misery of it in your own life. I hope that you learned it. Some of you young people, they, you haven't yet learned it. And you will learn it. Notice, woe to those who draw sin along with cords of nothingness, emptiness, deceit. In other words, sinning is believing in the big lie, which is what that you'll be God. But you discover it is pulling the heavy weight of sin to yourself with cart rope enslavement your mind, your will your might, your body your money all given to this enslavement sinning is restless activity sinning is weariness but they do it again and again and again and again sinning is slavery Jesus said, not freedom sinning is hard work and its wages is spiritual death the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. They sinned against God's law. There was an objective standard that God himself gave. Which said thou shalt not. These people said no. We will do exactly what you prohibit. They sinned against their own conscience. Until it became seared. And then they had God to come and judge them because in their heart they believe there is no God. Practical atheism, the stink fruit. Number four, look at verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and so on. It is the stink fruit of perversion. They said to evil, thou art good. They said to good, thou art evil. They said to light, thou art darkness. And they said to darkness, thou art light. They said to sweet, thou art bitter. And to bitter they said, thou art sweet. Perversion. They eliminated all moral distinctions. They became relativists, then they became perverts. They said, get out of chastity, purity, honesty, marital fidelity. Get rid of natural use of men and natural use of women. They said, homosexuality, it is good. They said, to heterosexual marriage, it is bad. To them, shame was good. They said, not to be a pervert is an abnormal condition. They put the pervert on a pedestal. That's what this country has done. We gloried in our shame. You watch television, you watch movies, you watch our cultural enterprises. We glory in our shame. They became amoral, immoral against all standards. They spoke for tolerance except the scriptures and the God of scriptures. There is no tolerance. They spoke about diversity. They hated the Bible, Orthodox Christianity. They gloried in pushing the envelope further. They said, 
We must be like animals. You see, finally they arrived. The scientific people arrived. And what is their final conclusion? We must all become like animals. But I don't see animals taking drugs and destroying their brain. Only human beings do that. I don't see animals engaging in self-destruction. There is also the fifth fruit of stink fruit. It's called intellectualism. Intellectualism. We are warned about this in Proverbs 3 and verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and shun evil. We are told in the book of Proverbs, lean not unto your own understanding. They became wise in their brain power. They squeezed God out. They squeezed out the Creator. They squeezed the God, the Redeemer. They squeezed out the Bible, God's objective revelation. They loved humanism and autonomy. Oh, they became enlightened men. They trusted in scientific naturalism. They became brilliant perverts. Let me read to you what God says concerning this intellectualism. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Turn to 1 Corinthians 3, again 19 and 20. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are worthless. Futile, empty, nothing. And number six, the stink fruit that God is complaining about, injustice. Verse 22 of Isaiah 5. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but deny justice to the innocent. Injustice. The leaders were entrusted with the responsibility of just administration. But the mighty are defined by his capacity to carry liquor. And the mighty are defined by his expertise in mixing drink and giving parties, receiving parties. For this, you need money. And so the judges and the shepherds and the leaders, they took bribes. They acquitted the guilty and condemned the innocent as stink fruit and God is angry is complaining but the seventh one is surprising let's turn to chapter 6 there is a woe pronounced chapter 6 verse 5 woe to me I cried I am ruined even Isaiah the prophet is a sinner He's under the wrath of God. God revealed to him in the temple. As thrice holy. 
transcendent, pure. And in the light of this revelation, Isaiah looks upon himself and he says, I am finished. Woe to me! I'm through! I'm silenced. I cannot join the seraphic choir and sing holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Because I'm unclean. I cannot join them. I cannot sing. You see, the church has been justifying how great the church is. And the pastor comes and says something and we don't want to believe. Oh, you know. The elder came and said a few things and said, no, I, I don't believe it. You know what your problem is? You don't see God. In the moment, you are brought before this transcendent, holy, pure God. You will fall down and you will join Isaiah and say what? I am unclean. I am unclean. I am done. Undone. I am finished. My heart is wicked. Therefore, my lips are unclean. I cannot sing God's praise. Isaiah says, I am unholy. Not everybody else. I am unholy. I am finished. I am under the wrath of God. I am full of sin. All justifications evaporated into nothingness. That's the divine complaint about this nation and about the church and about us. We brought forth stink food. God did everything. Planted on fertile hill. Dug, removed stones. Planted the best vine possible. Put, built a fence around it. Built a tower in the middle of it. Made a press. Waged. God is angry angry at this country and angry at the church and angry at you and angry at me. And he has right to be angry. Therefore, there is going to be divine condemnation. Let's look at it for five minutes. Turn to chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. Now, it is, in the final analysis, it is God himself is doing. He uses secondary agents and they do it freely, voluntarily. But it is God who ordains all things whatsoever come to pass in his world. Now, I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. God is angry. We made God to be nice and hugging. We want a national day of prayer, but we don't want a national day of repentance and humiliation. We don't want a national day of prayer to the true and living God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't want to go to the scriptures and find out his will and find out what happened. Oh, we don't want that. In fact, White House gave a call uh, to Reverend Jerry Falwell and said, what you said is not appropriate. Why, maybe tomorrow I'll get a call. Appropriate? 
But the reformer said, of course, he was not completely true. He said the problem. What happened is because of feminism, gay, and because of abortion, and because of ACLU, because prayer is taken away, and all that. Well, Jerry Paul, well, you are not totally correct. Because you left out the first culprit. That's the church of Jesus Christ and the people of God. And so in that respect, it wasn't appropriate. Because he should have told the whole truth. But I'm saying God is angry. So he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. He knows. He has few traits. And he has used these tricks in the lives of nations, in the lives of church, in the lives of families, in the lives of individuals. All these years, if we care to read history and understand it, I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. I will command the clouds not rain on it. You see, God is ultimately sovereign and he knows what to do, when to do, how to do it. Look at chapter 5 again, verse 13. Therefore, because you brought stink fruit, therefore, my people go to exile. I'll throw the people out. Or look at verse 24. Therefore, because of the stink fruit, because of unrighteousness, because of sin against God and His law, therefore as tongues of fire lick up straw, and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay, and their flowers blow away like dust. Look at verse 25. Take a look at it. Therefore, the Lord's anger. You see, we made God to be always nice. God to be always understanding. God is seen as a God with two long hands, always hugging people. Hugging everybody. It doesn't matter what you did. God is the God of hug. Well, if you want to know anything about God, you read more times in the Bible. He is described as the God of wrath and God of anger. Here it is. Therefore, because of the stink fruit we brought, as people of God, we brought to God. Therefore, the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and, his, and he strikes them down. The same hand by which God redeemed his people from Egypt, the same hand is raised in judgment against his people who brought unrighteousness. The mountains shake and the dead bodies are like refuse in the streets. Isaiah is seeing this and it was fulfilled in 587 B.C. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. He lifts up a banner for the distant nations. Notice he is using foreign countries. Distant nations. In other words, he lifts the banner as the rallying point and being sovereign God of the universe, nations come. And not only that, look at, he whistles for those at the ends of the earth, here they come. That is the sovereignty of God. There is no other God. 
All other gods are false. All other religions are false. All other philosophies are false. God is sovereign. He lifts the banner. He whistles. And all nations come at his bidding. To do the work of judgment. But notice. Verse 27. Not one of them grows tired. Or stumbles. Slumbers. Sleeps. Unified. Terrifying. Fierce. Destructive. Powerful. Verse 28, their arrows are sharp, all their bows are strong. And you read on, it describes the utter destruction of God's people. It happened many, many times. 587 is one year you need to keep in mind. And then Jesus Christ said the same thing. And it happened in 70 AD against his own people. Now you ask, why? Let me tell you why. Take a look at chapter 5, verse 12, the latter part. Oh, they were busy having a good time, drinking and getting drunk and enjoying pleasure, making money. But notice, they had no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the works of his hands. They had no regard for God as creator, God as redeemer, and God as lord of history. God as the author of his world. God as king. God as the lord of the covenant. God as God who dwelt in the midst of them. God as the one who protected them and clothed them with deliverance. Or look at verse 24, the latter part, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurn the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's the reason. That's the reason. Divine complaint and divine condemnation. God is angry, son. God is not interested in hugging us. God is transcendent. God is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah brings about superlative through repetition. Thrice holy God. He has a complaint. Can you stand up and say that his complaint is wrong? And wrongly placed. Can you do that? He is right in his complaint. And he is right in his condemnation. But I will say about his compassion to those who are sinners. Those whose know that his complaint is right and his condemnation is right. And those like Isaiah say, you know, you are right, O oh God. Yeah. But then have mercy upon me. Yes, Lord. And God will show mercy. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Yeah. Your complaint is just. Yeah. Your condemnation is just. Yeah. We have no place to go. We run to you and fall down before you. Have mercy upon us. Save us. Save this nation. Save the church. Save families. We confess our sin of forsaking you and treating you with contempt. We confess our sin of intellectualism and perversion and debauchery and materialism and so on. 
we confess our sin of squeezing you out. We said we are busy. Oh, busy, buying and selling, eating and drinking, planting and harvesting, marrying and giving in marriage. We did not think about the Son of Man. God, have mercy upon us. Show your compassion to us. Forgive us our sins. Blot our transgressions. We look to you for mercy and your Son, Jesus Christ. Save us, O God. Save this nation, save your church, O God. Defeat our enemies, rise up, O God, in defense of us. Even this day we repent and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.